Hey folks, it's John here. And just before we get into this episode, I just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing what sounds like a transformer today. Uh, we got some new equipment, a new mic, and just made a little bit of a mistake with some one of the audio tracks for Brent. So what you're going to hear today is the best we could do with getting that audio to sound better than it did. This is what I sound like. This, this is, is what I sound like in Brent's new uh, transformer voice. And this is what Brent sounds like initially. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Is, is it necessary? No, I don't think it's necessary. And here's what he'll sound like now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Is, is it necessary? No, I don't think it's necessary. So there, I think it's a big improvement. Uh, so yeah, enjoy the heck out of that. And if you're wondering what the heck's going on, just letting you know. That happens, so it'll be all better next week. Till then, enjoy your shit and uh, enjoy this episode. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Dickie Specs, Dickie Speck. This is Sold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Who's that stumbling out there in the dark? State your business or prepare to get wanged. What is your name? Django. Can you spell it? D-J-A-N-G-O. The D is silent. I know. You've wrong. <laughs> Set this in my world. I'm worried you gotta get dirty. So that's what I'm doing. I'm getting dirty. Who's that stumbling around in the dark? State your business or prepare to get winged. Hey! Lay your palms flat on that tabletop. If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is gonna let those both fails that sort off. You're a funny bugger. <laughs> I like the way you die, boy. Around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can't believe. Stop shooting, Alright. Howdy, folks. In uh, Calgary, where the three of us uh, live, we have the Stampede, the Calgary Stampede every year, and it's a big rodeo type event. Yeehaw! It happens in July. Uh, and for an unrelated reason, we decided to have Western Month in August. So those two things <laughs> well, Johnny really did it all. Me, but, it was a surprise but to me. And <laughs> we did not know. We, that's the way we she goes. That's true. Western theme. Yeah. Yes, don't blame us. Blame John. No. Yeah. No. You will all welcome uh, my decisions yeah, for this wait month. Yeah. Just we get to go for excellent, excellent, excellent movies. There's no chance any of them will not hold up. I've seen to it. Uh, I haven't actually, but I have um, organized a couple of good ones for the buys. Uh, and today we're going back to Quentin Tarantino land with his Western, well, his first Western, Django, the Django Unchained. The D is not silent. That's the trick of the movie. They make you think it is and they say it is, but it's really not. That's not true either. Uh, Tarantino's uh, followed up Inglorious Bastards with this one. And in Inglorious Bastards, we all got to witness uh, Christopher Waltz. Uh, and I think we all really, really enjoyed that. And so really nice that he had 
more of a lead in this movie because uh, he was a great support in Inglorious Bastards. That opening in Inglorious Bastards uh, is still one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. Uh, with the floorboard stuff and the whole milk drinking, uncomfortable smoking scene. And uh, Django brings back uh, Christopher Waltz for that. And he, did he win for this? Um, I know he, or, or did he win he for won, Inglorious? He won for one of the two. He has, I believe he has an Oscar. Yeah. Tantino got him that, uh, set him up. So this got five Golden Globe Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay. Tarantino won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Christopher Waltz got received it. the yeah. award for Best Supporting. And the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. And the Golden Globe. So, so yeah. And like, the BAFTA they, Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. <laughs> he is fucking yeah. good. He has such a likable quality to him. So, he also won for Inglorious Bastards. That's why I was having trouble. He won all three of those for Inglorious Bastards as well. It's a hard time having a bad time. Real, real rough. You put these two together and some magic happens because Christopher Waltz just has this real magic way. And we saw him do an insane, menacing guy who has over-the-top tendencies and in, uh, in uh, Inglorious Bastards. And in this one, we see. I guess a bit more reserved, but um, he's almost like uh, uh, the uh, Schultz in this movie is almost like a time traveler to me is the best way I can describe it. He's like a currently current minded person doing what uh, a, a reasonable person would do to witness some of the atrocities in the South, which would be to just kill the people who are crazy murderers and uh, be, have noble tendencies around people who are being put into slavery and put your life at risk and ultimately get killed because of that. Uh, so it makes him an extremely likable actor. Um, he crushes it in both these movies. I I love him in this. This one released in 12. Uh, so we're talking 11 years old and... The cast, once again, um, you'd have no doubt would be great. Uh, Jamie Foxx, Christopher Waltz, as mentioned. Leo DiCaprio, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Kerry Washington, uh, Walton Goggins. Holy cow, the list goes on uh, all the way down to Michael Parks and Mr. Tarantino himself as Australian uh, mine slavers, I guess. Uh, and lots of other faces you would definitely recognize. Did I say Samuel L? I hope I did, because uh, you don't want to miss out on him playing a very despicable character in this movie. Yeah. Um, made for around $100 million, but popped back with 400 plus in the box office. So big success. I think everyone pretty much got behind this movie uh, as it came out. I don't remember seeing a lot of critique uh, in, t- in too nasty a way. I think people regarded this one as really high. Uh, in the list of Tarantino films, and uh, I, uh, you know, it caught some flack for l- language as it would, but um, something I would kind of wanted to get out of the way with you guys early on in this movie is I, I found like the use of such foul words as the N word uh, to be, um, I, I don't want to say excessive in a way that means it's excessive for the movie. I think it was used probably as casually as it was used back in this day and as, as hurtfully and, and as, uh, whatever so for me it kind of helped set the stage rather than have me all thinking about that a white guy wrote this and that white actors were saying it or anything along those lines I kind of was like this is putting me in the in the time and place in a really effective way there's some criticisms about that because of the um 
Like, you know, at Don Johnson's place, the, the women are all wearing, like, these beautiful dresses and swinging on swings and stuff, right? So, like, I think that's probably not a great representation either, but I think that the difference there is, like, he particularly kind of sells women, doesn't he? Like, he has a cotton plantation also, but it seems like he kind of sells women. That seemed like his thing, right? So I, it looked like he put the 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 nicest looking women that he had front and center and kind of on display. So I didn't I didn't find it that that as weird or any weirder than um before they go to Candyland when they're in the town and they're in that Roman themed joint that has like a whole bunch of performance and theater going on with uh, with many of their slave girls uh, uh, dressed up in things too. So I didn't find any of that as like presenting it in a, oh, it was nice and whatever the hell or any glorification of it. It all seemed super sick to me, which I get was the intent because it just, it's like I said, it just, I felt like it just was kind of thrusting me into what that must have been like, how casually and, and blatant it all would have been. It's disgusting time in history for sure. Well, he does a good okay. job of like, of not beating your beating you over the head with that stuff like he he does a good job in this movie unlike say like a a james cameron with the whole poor versus rich and titanic he doesn't focus on it that much it's just you know what time you're living in people are staring at him like there's like tiny little things i would have removed like that that were like just like little snippets like when when Django's riding the horse and then that guy says the, the, the there's an n-word whatever riding the horse to his wife or something like that um you didn't need that because everyone was staring and then and then he's Django says they never seen a black man on a horse before or whatever you don't you don't need any more than that to um to and also just the way like someone said they, it's just very casually um, said the word the n-word is casually said in the way they treat them and like the whole conversation with Don Johnson and how to treat Django um, and uh, she asked if he should treat him like a white person he's like no 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 we don't want to do that uh, like all that <laughs> stuff is like really good humor in setting up the world of where we are and like how how everything is so I, I thought he did a great job I, I had no complaints about that the n-word is like throughout this whole movie and is it necessary i don't know if sometimes it's over too much it's overdone yeah i mean i don't think if is it necessary no i don't think it's necessary he certainly um, loves to use it and he's like the only white guy who could seem to get away with using it um, in all of if you make flashy enough movies, movies if you are that movies. part of the culture uh, spirit, then you can kind of get away with it more. I guess it's just um, it's interesting. Um, he also put himself in a movie just so he could suck some hikes feet. Well, he also put himself in a movie where he says the Good call. he says the n word. <laughs> he says the n word multiple yeah. times in Pulp Fiction. In Pulp Fiction, right? Like yeah. so. Once again, like I don't know how he's getting away with this, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in Pulp Fiction, it isn't needed at no, all. No, it's not. Yeah, that that we talked about when we reviewed that episode for sure. That that <clears> all stood out to us as peculiar. This one, it doesn't because, like I said, I think it's 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 putting me in the time and place. If it wasn't being, is it necessary? Like Brent said, could you have not done it and still had the impact of this movie? Yes, because what that is what is at the core of this movie are some great relationships and connections, and there's some amazing nuance throughout. 
and the story of a man looking to free his wife, right, and be with her. So the other stuff, uh, the the racially charged stuff that could could have been prominent and could have been mishandled far like really badly, is not front and center here. It's it's the background. It's the the, the picture that's being painted in the background. And I need that to be the case, like I said, because the other parts of the movie around the relationship and these two and Schultz taking uh, Django under his wing and them having kind of the, I don't know about father, son, but certainly um, Schultz said on multiple occasions he feels responsible for him and and he's like proud when he does well and he coaches him and he helps him along and, and ultimately sacrifices himself a bit. A bit selfishly, but the whole point, they were in that situation and in the risk of life or death um, because he was fulfilling his end of the bargain. So, like, all that stuff is really, really awesome in this movie, their relationship together and watching Django develop um, over the course of the movie. One early scene that I I love um, is as we're learning about Schultz and what he does, they go to the bar and he sends the bartender out to get the sheriff so he can shoot the man in the street and then make that whole big scene. Uh, Schultz definitely has a penchant for the dramatic when he's out doing his missions. But anyway, as they're getting, after, I think as they're waiting for the marshal and, and they're having the beer, when he gives the beer to Django and tells him not to put his hat uh, on the table, when Django takes a sip of the beer, you can, like, I, I always watch for it because it's so great to watch Jamie Foxx's reaction that that's the first beer he's ever tasted. So it kind of really level sets for me how far of a journey he's got to go and how far on like the side of civility that that Schultz is, which is farther than even the average person. Like I said, to me, he's like a time traveler with today's sensibilities put back into that time. Uh, I don't actually think he's a time traveler, by the way, but that's the best I can describe his character. He's very modern. Yeah, there's a there's a story about how um, when the first day of shooting, uh, Quentin was very unhappy with his performance, Jamie Foxx's performance, because he was reading his lines like Will Smith would do in a movie where he's like, you know, yeah, sure, or whatever. And he took him aside and he's like, you're a slave. Like, don't talk like that. Like, you, like, you're a slave. Like, be a slave. Like, don't be that or whatever. Like, you're not Jamie Foxx. You're a slave. And Jamie Foxx, yeah, like, yeah. took it to heart and listened to him and, like, and, like, you know, lowered his performance down to a, a reasonable, like meek, kind of scared guy. And uh, at the start, yeah, as as he develops, his voice becomes stronger. Yes, totally. Um, it starts out as very meek and and shy, like he's almost whispering when he's talked to. He's not afraid because he's got like he's got guts, and like that's that's even when he was like in the the depths of slavery with the awful guy who tells him he has sand and that he didn't need him for his sand and then to, like the Bruce Bruce Dern just playing yeah. the Bruce Dern is just another white guy who gets away with so let's yeah. talk about that because that's all in the first half of this movie or first sorry part of this movie wait 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 I did want to make oh, a quick yeah, comment like I do think that they I do think that they uh, do a little shout out um to that speaking thing later in the movie because someone says like I'm a slave or something, he says, do I sound like a slave? Right? And uh, I think that maybe that is a commentary because I've always, I've always looked at that as, well, like John said, like it, it really effectively displays the passage of time and the transformation he's taken. Like, he is no longer a slave by the end of this movie, for real. And it doesn't matter if he goes back to capture, like he still is, now he's a captured person. He's not like a born into slavery type of mind. 
And another, uh, I have a feeling Colin and I and and Brent have talked about this movie in the past and and some things we were kind of scared about, which is the last 20 minutes of the movie. So I don't want to get too far into it. However, another great example of how far he has come is when he does escape from the, the, the whatever Dicky mining co because he talks to those slavers unlike they've ever been talked to by a black guy before so like he talks them out of it and they're like he doesn't talk like a slave they do get the evidence but the whole reason he could convince them in the first place is because I bet they were they're just like I never talked to a fella like that before <laughs> then he that smokes them all so Australian casually accent. so at least I do like yeah but I do like that he like he was able to talk his way out of that primarily um, because he didn't sound like a slave anymore. He was so far removed. So that's another supportive element. So, and you know what? I have to say, I, I hated Tarantino's role in this forever. Um, and I just didn't find him as terrible this time. That seems completely unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, it just doesn't go as far as Tarantino's acting goes. He used to be like just such a hater, but. I didn't actually mind this yeah, one. Yeah, like Tarantino directs the action so well when Schultz gets killed. And once Schultz is dead, I mean, who who really was kind of the main character when we started out, and then it was a really a pairing between him and Django. Once you kill Schultz, like, you got to end this fucking movie. And then you have all this crazy action, which is, like, a, so well shot. Like, I love the gunfights and the music he uses, the, the more modern music. That he uses in that fight scene that you've got to end it there i mean like it's the it's the biggest moment of the movie like the the characters are dying and like you you gotta you yeah. gotta like you gotta sum it up there he could have done all of the stuff with samuel jackson and the the blonde daughter of candy or whatever was it candy's wife or his daughter that that woman is his wife no, it's his sister, sister. His gross relationship with yeah, his sister so anyways, is very touchy kissy. You could have her. done all of that stuff during that fight. You could have still had him kill Samuel Jackson the same way. He doesn't blow up the house. Him and what's her name just leaving right off into the sunset. It would it would have been really good. But the what, problem I had yeah, this time though you? wasn't the ending as much. Well, I mean, we always we've always established that was a a double ending. But it's the first hour and two minutes of this movie is actually going back and looking at it that's the first act this movie has an hour and two minute first act is what it does because the second act starts when they go on the mission with candy for so like this first act is way 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 too long halfway point they get to Candyland at the halfway point don't they that would probably be when they arrive it would be at least yeah meets when he when he meets her again, he sees his wife again. That's the midway point. But uh, well, he meets Leo at like fifty-nine minutes. No, it's an hour and two minutes and fifty-four seconds because I just looked it up. And so, what's happening in the big? That's when they see him in the room with the. Yeah, fight. when they shake hands. So, what's happening in this movie for the first act is, um, two. There's something will happen. Then they'll have a conversation about it by a fire. Something will happen. They'll have a conversation about it in the bar. Something will happen. There's like, and the conversations are long, sometimes five minutes long. So they are talking about what's next. They though. are. They're but, not recapping but like, do what we happened. Need, they always talk about like, what's next. Could you yeah. imagine if he just said to Django, instead of like having that big, huge, long conversation, 
he just said, do you want to do you want to do this with me until you find your wife? And then it was like, dun, 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 and then they just move on and There's then they something. ride the horses. Like, do we need to have a 10 minute conversation about him asking him to do the fucking thing? Like, that's where the filler is in this this movie. There is something around the structure of things. I won't say it plays wrong because Tarantino is one of those movie makers that can really pull off being mm. thick in his movies. And I don't know that this movie has any scenes I hate. I might end up saying that some shouldn't have been in there or could have been slightly different from my own taste. But nothing in here is like, oh, that actor dropped it. That scene is absolutely useless. There's just there's going to be stuff that's probably, you know, preference wise could come out. So there is something around the whole front end with him and Django where they meet and they go on some adventures and then then there's a, a, a mission and a discussion and then there's a, that weird montage up in the snow mountains that transitions them into going to Mississippi. Because we see them doing stuff but then we seem to skip over stuff and then we come back to see them do and then we skip over more. And it's just a weird... A weird set of transitions that maybe could have been, maybe could have been smoothed a little bit. It's just editing. And Once think, again, t- none of Tarantino's movies would ever be um, Humpty Dumpty's, but this is a very long movie. Yeah, it is. It is quite long. I was thinking about the end bit, and interesting. Colin said he didn't mind it as much this time, but when Schultz kills Candy, and then can- and then Schultz gets killed, the henchman should have jumped on Django and Hildy and recaptured them and then hung Django upside down and Walton Goggins is going to take his balls the next day like just skip over skip over some of the some of the stuff but then somehow Django escapes that and then goes to kill everybody and then we have the whole end of the movie as we do just skip all the all the Australian slaver stuff just I'm just saying I'm just saying well. like well, there that. should be no capture like they, they have the they he what's his name gets shot in the back with a shotgun and then everything has to end now there with a gunfight, a big, huge gunfight, which we see, mm. and it's a great gunfight. I love all the guys laying on yeah. the ground being shot in the legs, and he's, like, laying on the ground grabbing guns. It's so exciting and intense. And then then we, like, hit a, a big lull again where it's just like, okay, now let's slow the movie down, and we're going to slow it down for, like, 20 minutes. It's just like, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Yeah, no, you can make that way more interesting. If you um, take her away as soon as that Christopher Waltz stuff starts, then you get the mystery about what happened to her, right? Jamie Foxx wouldn't necessarily yeah. know. You can have that big gunfight. Maybe the house is set on fire through the action. There's like a ticking time bomb that way, right? Oh, yeah, there you and go. And then he fucking still brutally gunfight murders everybody, right? But at the end, you know, the panic is she here, is she, you know, die, where is she, whatever. They find each other right off. We escaped that whole Australian fucking slavery thing. We escaped the second fucking battle, right? Like, it just is a replay of that. It's, that has always struck me. And this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I, I was telling Colin last week, I used to put this movie on at work in my headphones. And I would just put my phone face down. Like, I wouldn't even watch it. I would just listen to the movie. I enjoyed it so much. That, um, but it's it's too much of that shit. They're, they're, um... Yeah, there's definitely, like, some trimming that could have happened. Like, it, this movie should be two hours. You could make this movie two hours. 
and it would be like two two ten. This is a perfect. This is another Pulp Fiction like level hit. Yeah, like probably. Just, it, it would be far more structured and straightforward, but just they they would have killed it with the acting and the complexity of the character. Like if this examines some really despicable characters that I didn't hadn't realized existed, like like slavers um uh, how like um, the samuel l jackson character like what mindset someone like that would be in i'm in slavery but i need to be the top the top of the things <laughs> like i'm gonna like put my own people through hell because i have a i'm a power hungry person within the slave structure like i just wouldn't have thought i didn't think hard about that so this opens up a whole bunch of interesting avenues to explore here um, and yeah, I think it just gets a little carried away at times and not even in the worst way. It just, it's something that keeps me from watching this movie, like more than I would on repeat, um, as I explored a bit more, just cause it's almost three fucking hours long. Who's got time it's, for it's that? It's also like none of the dialogue, none of the scenes I was talking about in the, the first half, none of the dialogue is bad. All the dialogue is good and the scenes are good too. But they're way, way, way too long. You don't, you don't need to sit, see them sit by the fire for ten minutes and have those conversations. You can get, you can get that stuff across much quicker. And like, I don't know if they add like the even the flashbacks. Other than some of the flashbacks that come later with his wife, I don't know if you need that sand flashback. Like, why do we need? What's that sand flashback? I don't. <sighs> I don't know. Like some of that stuff hits me hard. Like showing her get branded. That stuff, and yes, but that's his way out of it. That's the later showing stuff. them sell. Like imagine, like you have your wife, and then you're ripped apart, and some old fucker is in your face saying, "Sell them separate and sell him cheap." So like he's, he's like he's um, uh, like p- putting him from like worse to worse. I'd be like, oh, good, I'll go to a nice poor family. All of the flashbacks, <laughs> all of the flashbacks with his wife, I think are necessary more so with her and stuff when she's getting whipped and stuff. I, as horrible as those are, I think those are necessary you, you, for you to to feel to feel. Something. You need to see their connection. Yeah. And when they're running away and the freedom song is yeah. playing, whatever, like that's all good. I, I like that stuff. And um because it shows them together like knowing they're going to get caught they're going to run the last 100 100 kilometers anyway the story where he he'll, where he tells the story about Broomhilda and Siegfried I think is necessary because you see Schultz's brain click that he's fucking the hero going to rescue his wife that solidifies that he's going to do anything to help this guy so I love that um, you got to have the story where he tells her his wife's name is Broomhilda so that you get the whole German connection and that part of the plan can unfold so it's hard to cut some of this stuff out. Some of their planning for what they're going to do, I don't disagree, but um, let's say when they're going to Candyland, I need to hear what their plan is because otherwise I wouldn't understand quite what Jamie Foxx was yeah, doing. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I'm just saying like like you can have all, you could probably much, pretty much have every scene that's in this movie in this movie, but you could just cut them in half or just chop them yeah. down a little yeah. bit because... Because we're we're hanging in the wind for so long that we don't really know where this. Other than I guess we kind of know where the movie is going because he wants to find his wife, but they don't really engage mm. that part of the story. And that's what you're supposed to do at the end of the first act. Is then they go on the real journey. Now we're going on what what's really going to happen. And an hour and two minutes is just too long for 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 setup and lead up to that. And the inciting incident is the beginning of the movie. So they have like a super early inciting incident and then they, they it drags for an hour and two minutes. 
I don't think the inciting incident is the beginning of the movie. When he gets him and Django meet, and he gets Django, that's not not everything. That's not the inciting moment. He gives Django a choice later to participate to be his partner. Yeah, that's when they become friends, and they really immerse themselves within the um, within the mission to prove. To, like you know, treat his wife and stuff. I don't know if you have to, have to have a chance to develop that relationship, and then there's a choice put on the table. Django has no choice at that beginning scene. That's the introduction. Even when they go after the Brittle Brothers, uh, Django, he's he's included and given some freedom within the mission, but he's not really given his freedom until that he comes up with the plan later. I think. Schultz even says to him, he says, "Look, I." I he test the slavery business, but like I actually need, I need to help work out for this. So if you were um, not in the position to decline, all the better for me. Yeah, right? but my, um, my my just in my opinion, I think the inciting incident is the very beginning of the movie when when he when he finds Django and that like the whole story unfolds from there. Like him finding Django leads to everything. Because he, cause he's looking for him, doesn't know if he's in that group, finds him. That's just what I would consider the inciting incident myself. Fair enough. Yeah. I think, um, and I think, like, I was thinking about this a bit, and do we have co-main characters, or is, is Django or is Schultz the lead? But I think Django's the main character. We see Django's him first, the main he's, character. he's in the line, right? And it, we only, we spend time in Django's thoughts, in his fantasies of his wife and stuff like that. Uh, we never do that with with Schultz. No, Schultz. So, yeah, no, I, Schultz, I mean, we 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 meet Schultz first, and he. I, I, it feels to me like he's the main character, and then Django takes over at some point in the movie. Are they? They. It's very. The both of them are are in almost every scene. It, it's a great if if he is a if if Schultz is a supporter. I mean, it's it's such a meaty. Well, meaty, we get we get we get all of level. the flashbacks of Django and not Schultz. So I mean, yeah, it's definitely interesting the way that he handles the the two characters, and he does that well. You you you're oh, really following well. both of them and enjoying it. So yeah, Schultz yeah. Is, is very big supporting role. In yeah. This, like, like when he dies, um, he, okay. He wait, so what do you guys? I, I know there's lots of stuff to cover in here, but what do you think of? I've always, I've always been interested. What do you guys think of what Schultz does when he kills Candy? Because he wants him to shake his hand. What do you mean? What he does? Like, like when he turns around and says sorry. When he just like fuck this. Well, because if he didn't shoot him. I'm guessing that he would have walked out of there with with Django and they and all would have. They all three do. Yeah, they all three would but, have. But so, yeah, yeah, I always thought but, it was incredibly stupid and out of character uh, from Schultz, to tell you but the considering, honest truth. I, I, I kind of thought so too, but in watching it this time, he's... He, so he's gone through this whole ordeal that even for a guy like him, he's a dentist, let's not forget. He has been killing people, but... It's been five you know, years, Probably though. from afar. Yeah, and he's been killing for a bit, but um, I think five he was like, so super affected... Dentist. I think it was super affected by the he was having those flashbacks to the dog uh and Calvin and and uh D'Artagnan getting eaten by the dogs and I think I could see how in the moment he just would have been like fuck it fuck this guy fuck everything he's about. Yeah. So it I wasn't mean, I'm, as I'm out of character as I formerly thought. I hate it though. I love the guy. I don't want to see him die. I want to see him now so here's something else in this movie um is that in the opening scene 
uh, not the opening scene, but the first scene where he kills the sheriff. He pulls out that little Derringer, gut shots him. The guy goes to the ground. He walks around behind and cocks and shoots him a second time in the head because that Derringer he's carrying, if you look closely at it, has an over-under bear. It'll take two shells. Uh, so why the fuck doesn't he shoot Candy and then maybe shoot the fucking Butch, the the other guy? Also played by the guy at the very start of the movie, same actor used by Tarantino at this. The brother of the guy that gets uh, shot is the same actor that plays uh, Calvin Candy's uh, main bodyguard. Dickie Speck. Dickie Speck. That's my character's yep. name from the same beginning. Guy. Uh Anyway, so the, if he has two bullets in that Derringer, and Jamie Foxx was pretty close to that guy too, um, so he maybe he could have acted quicker. I'm always like, just fucking take that guy out and start killing. Then him and him and what's his name could have been like, booyah. But anyway, that's not what happened. So I, I didn't hate it this time. It always makes me super sad, and it's a beautifully shot scene because he shoots Calvin right in the middle of the of the flower, which starts bleeding, yeah. and Calvin goes back shocked, and then um, Samuel pushes by. And just he's down cr- cradling candy in his arms when Butch unloads with that fucking double barrel and cr- just plows um, Schultz in the chest. And it goes to the shot of on the ground looking up and it's in slow motion and you see Schultz flying and all the bullets are hitting the books and Samuel's just crying with Calvin dead. In yeah, his that's arms. a it's great, fucking that's beautiful, a great man. Shot. Yeah, I forgot how how great that was. But that whole that whole sequence is. uh the whole sequence, like gunfight, is amazing. It's some of the best action Tarantino's ever directed, like ever yeah. for something like ongoing like that. I and like it's so worth a rewatch because like the guys who run just into doorways, they'd have no idea what was happening. When's the last time there's ever been a shootout at Candyland? So of mm-hmm. course they would just run in, like what's happening? And they also like, oh man, it's just crazy, and it it seems on the more realistic side of things, given how big and bomby and slow motion sounds like and big squibs and stuff. I just, I love it, man. Um, here's a question for you guys. Were those really Jamie Foxx's balls? Hmm. What do you think? I guess. No. Sheath. It's a sheath of nutsack. Yeah. It's a nut sheath. It's a nut sheath. Here's another question. Is Walton Goggins actually missing most of the teeth on the right side of his head in the upper thing like his character in this movie is? Because when that guy smiles from the side, he's just got lots of teeth missing. And I'm like, Walton, is that the case? Well, I mean, he can afford not to now. He's doing really well. I love that that guy is fucking recognized and I hear about people talking about him on podcasts and shit just saying what a stand-up guy he is and coming from like Justified and the early show work that that he did like it's so awesome to see him get to Tarantino movies Jonah Hill's in this I love Jonah Hill and Don Johnson's characters they uh, they just both like I mean Jonah Hill's is way smaller but Big Daddy the way he's so smug but he gets some of the humor and anger and I I found yeah, oh shit fire. That whole scene with the 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 lynch mob and the and the masks, I I would love to know more about where that came from cuz that's just one of those things you never think about, but you're like I could totally totally see that happening. Again, 
all lent by how casually they set up the racism and stuff and this mob gets together on the reg you know maybe once a month full regalia and off they go to kill someone and prove their point and wear masks the chicken shit motherfuckers and they're all stoked about it and I just I fucking love it the whole I can't see shit out of this fucking thing well, it's, 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 it's interesting how he humanizes the awful people in this movie um, and makes them... Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what he... That's the humor. He makes them yokels. They are it's humanized, you, but they are simpletons. No, they're simpletons. You can't do that if you haven't set up the background, like I was saying. If you haven't set up that race, racial, like, this is where we are, and it's cash, and that's it, right? So deal with it. Then you can move on to that second layer of humor. But, and it, it like it hits but real hard. But I'm okay hard. with him it. humanizing them because like they yeah that is that is like um th- these are awful terrible people, but they also they also but like would, it's the guy has a also, shop. They also do piss and go to the bathroom and 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 can't see out of badly cut up masks. Like they're 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 awful. their wives help them right. Their wives support them and they're just not out there. So she'll make Those them. Those guys have never seen put together before. Yeah, spinning, pissing, and not seeing through masks. And the guy, hey, they're just like us. They're just like everybody else. And, and spinning guy, and pissing and can't see through masks. And, and the guy who, the guy, <laughs> the guy whose wife made the masks is like, he loves his wife. He and they're offending her job, and and he wants to stick up for his wife, and then he fucking leaves. He like ditches them because they. They won't shut up about the masks. Don't ask me or mine for nothing. Yeah, like that's great. Yeah. It's, uh, very I love fun. that. Say. And he had a great night. He go, he gets to go home and be like, you hear what happened to them and they kill Big Daddy? I knew they was losers. I'll start my own clan. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, that guy just took charge. Probably. Yeah, people are going to respect him. Him and his wife. That was a leadership vacuum. Yeah, his wife is, yeah. that's not the last masks she made. Be cutting eye holes. Oh shit! She's probably got the whole mask business now because he's gonna take over. He's gonna just prove that contract to her. Yeah. No RFP, right? No. Nope. And then uh, that little bit of nepotism is gonna lead that family well into the future. They're they're probably still a prominent racist white family in the south. Oh totally. Yeah, they make masks, yeah, but now they make luchador masks. Ironically. The structure of that. So if you look at like, <laughs> if you look at the structure of the Candyland stuff. Or not the Candyland stuff, the Don Johnson stuff. It's just like they talk about it. They 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 get him closed. They go to do it. Then they do it. Then he comes after them. Then they they kill they they kill them and Django shoots him on the horse. Like that whole section of the movie is like fifteen or twenty fucking minutes. And it's really 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 good. All of the scenes are good. The dialogue's great. The action's great. The whipping and all of that stuff is like well done and well shot but but it is a big chunk of the movie where we're not moving forward we're stuck in doing that job that doesn't doesn't get to Django's wife doesn't get going it, so. yeah it's it's characterization and character development it that that mission doesn't lead them to candyland at all it's just a job that Schultz is on he wants to get it done, and Django knows what those guys yeah. look like. It's characterization with Django too, because those. But guys, it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I wouldn't well, get rid of any of it. Those guys hurt him. That's the foundation. You can't get rid of it. No, right? you that's, can't. That's, right? but like I say, that's the beginning where they meet. That spurs the um, what I view as the inserting incident. Well, that's like thirty minutes into the movie, but <laughs> that's okay. I guess once again, everything's fucking late. Yeah. 
what the fuck we're talking about how long the movie is and how fucking stretched out everything yeah. is. So yeah, the inciting incident is late, but it is there, not the fucking beginning. I mean, that, that, that yeah, that's fine. It's Tarantino. You think he fucking thinks he needs to follow the rules? Yeah, he obviously doesn't. No, that's true. Piss on your rules, shit fire. <laughs> it's not a rule. It's a principle. There's so many quotable well, lines in this movie. Yeah, principle. The principle says it has worked and has worked through all time. A rule says yeah, you must do something mean that. some way. Okay, well then, why are you so bent out of shape when things aren't the principled way? <laughs> no, those, that's dialogue from adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> it's about well, uh, it's him and his brother. That's a great movie. Um, oh, how dare you! How dare you uh, turn me into his brother in that movie? <laughs> and the job. How dare you! <laughs> Fucking direct that at me. What about the dog stuff? Like, some of this is, like, almost too horrible to watch. I... That's hard. I don't know. If what I said earlier and that whole dog attack was the main reason why um, Schultz kills Candy at the end, then it belongs in there, I guess. I'm not saying it doesn't belong in there. I'm just saying... Uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. And it, it, it supports all the casual... Like, those guys enjoyed it. That made it even more sick, all those... Whatever the fuck is going on with those people that live in the shed who own the dogs, there must have been a bigger side story to them because they're in that scene, but, like, other than the guy who um, can't really talk clear and is funny when he's <laughs> gawking at Django and <laughs> Mr. Shaw said, I've never seen anyone like you before. Um, but later on, Django goes to that cabin specifically and murders all those people in the tub and all that stuff. So it feels like a like I'm glad they're dead because they were they feed people the dogs. But also, it feels like they they were addressed that the axe person with the mask on their face they looked like a they looked like a main side henchman that maybe should have been had more time planned for them. I don't know what the deal with they they, think, they were I special. They're just farmhands, and they're reprehensible fucking pieces of shit because they're like cotton farm or cotton plantation, whatever we're fucking uh, farmhands. So they would be like, well, they're slavers, right? They would be the ones that work yeah, these guys I, I and shit. So, yeah. And like, that dog scene, I think, is, while brutal, I like um, that it's in there because it's, I think it's in a film like this, right? Like with the Schindler's List and stuff. If you really want to give the topic any kind of respect, I think that you need to do the audience a favor by making sure that it's understood that it was grotesque, right? And so that not only contributes to our hatred and our desire to see uh, Candy uh, fucking roll and fuck, um, but it also does a good job of, like, you know, really putting us back in the time and seeing the atrocities and, and shit that we're being dealt with so you can understand more of like just the underlying rage which I which I agree with John actually is a good reason why King Schultz at the end yeah. does have that blind moment of of fucking it you know what I mean like yeah. I may never get another chance this good yeah no I, I, I hear that for sure it, it, that scene's also great for what um, goes on between Candy and um, Django because 
Django says on the road to Schultz, he's like, I'm intriguing him and that's what's going to do. And you can really see it in candy there with like every line that Jamie Foxx comes back at him with. It's just nothing that any slave would ever say. He's talking to him as an equal or more like I'm even smarter than you in some things. And he he lets him know it. And just to watch Candy react to that with the wonderment that he does, that's really powerful, too, because I don't know. It lets me know that that he's being pulled into their plan. And I wonder how it's he all probably just out. watched that episode of Seinfeld where George does the opposite of everything that he thinks he normally should do. And so that's probably what Jamie Foxx does. He's like, he's like I, I was a slave, right? Like I have this fucking traumatic, probably slave mindset. Yeah. So, so fuck it. Everything I, everything I, the opposite of what my instinct tells me to do, I'll fucking do it. Piss on you, fucking dispute you, you know? What do you guys Love think that. of how it all comes apart at the table? Because um, it's interesting that everything stems from Candy's sister saying that she has big, big eyes for Django, and that seems to really set Samuel L. Jackson on edge to watch closer, and he starts confronting her, and then eventually he figures it out do you guys like how that all came together was it out of nowhere did it did they give you any cues to pick up on it before it, it goes wrong i don't i don't think so i think you kind of are expecting things to go wrong but you're not sure how and the um the thing that i like about the way that that plays out is that they figure out what they're really there for they take advantage of that information to say like look we know you're here for her instead and this is the price man right to which they're like fine and then he even says to him candy says to him later he says like you know don't be sour i just got the best of you right so like it's one of those things where it's like it's just like business being business but we could still be social and whatever and i really like that aspect of it because that makes what what Drew Schultz does, like, even better, do you know what I mean? Although, I guess maybe not thinking about it, is that more incentive for him to kill him? Is it like that bitter pill of being robbed, of losing that deal? And so is that pride that makes him shoot him, even I though think, the dog replays? I think or is that just like a trigger? No, I think it's a little, because what happens is, is that Schultz loses, and then he accepts defeat, and he's going to sign, and he's going to go. And because he has that um, modesty, uh, it's not the right word, but because he has that, that's what Candy can't stand. And so Schultz gets the upper hand again in the dynamic because he's not letting the loss of that scenario get to him. And when Candy realizes that, he pushes for the handshake. And that's what ultimately makes Schultz snap. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, I fucking he, did everything right. I fucking did it. And now this? Fuck you. That's he, I think that's he, what gets him. Plus the killing. He takes it too far, yeah. And also also the idea that... Um, I think he likes the idea... Because he asks him, like, you sure you want me to shake your hand? And uh, so I think it's the idea that if this motherfucker is going to make me shake his hand, he's going to regret it. Like if he's gonna go this far, then then I'm he's gonna he's gonna be the his his demise is his fault because he couldn't let this go. So so there's definitely something in there that I get that uh, <laughs> that wanting to um, wipe the smile off his fucking face when he shake his hand. Yeah. So I understand. I mean, it, it's not it's not that unbelievable <laughs> that he did it with all of the stuff that built up over the course of that scene. he does look kind of happy 
He looks at peace when he turns around with his arms open and he says, I just, I, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, I do like that line and too just, as well, which is for nice it's, to, to put a little button on it's it. It's as good a death scene. Oh, it's a great death seen. scene. Yeah, it's a great death scene. Uh, but the, the one thing I want to say... because dies a hero, like a true hero. He sacrifices everything the, to, yeah. to, to take down somebody that he views as like... I know, but now Django, and, Django yeah. and Boomhilger... Our Broomhild are in danger as well, so it might have been a bit of a selfish act. <laughs> it's well, is it selfish or is it even less selfish? Because by him killing Candy, he does a bigger service than just rescuing two people. Right? No, that's true. But like, those people are still slaves, they're still going to go somewhere. But he, like Candy's ownership and his whole culture of letting dogs eat people. Yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah. It is. You know, Maybe maybe there's some some benefit there that's larger, I guess, than the loss of those three lives. I saw Tarantino. As big a factor as that would be. I saw Tarantino in an interview on about this movie this week, and um, he, the interviewer was making him really mad because he kept asking him about violence, and uh, one of the arguments Tarantino used was that people are talking about slavery now because of his movie, and like that wasn't people weren't having that conversation before, so he was kind of like trying to say that his movie got people talking about slavery again the thing that surprises me is that nobody's like but you're some white guy from pasadena so like why are you the guy that gets people to talk about slavery again like you have like that that like no one ever said that like i i just i'm not sure how in this culture in this day and age he gets away with with that type of um uh you know what i'm saying like people bitch about everything yeah, no, I don't. well that's the thing so I, I compare it to this as far as like, because that is an excellent um, contradiction, especially when um, when you consider there's an artist called named Dana Schutz, uh, and she did a painting of a boy, Emmett Till, I sure hope fucking I got that name right, um, who was a, a little uh, black boy who was um, wrongly incriminated for like something like touching a white woman or something like that and was wrongly incriminated and then lynched and killed like a boy, 12 year olds or something like that. Horrible. And his mom, like a tough, tough fucking person, made it an open casket because she was disfigured from being beaten so badly. She said that she wanted to be open casket so people could see the horror of what happened. So Dana Schutz, a white uh, female artist, did an oil painting of Emmett Till in her style, which is quite, quite abstract and stuff, right? But it was meant to be, um, it was meant to be something to generate discussion, to be a positive, um, type of painting, right? Much like Tarantino making this movie and open to draw lines towards slavery and, uh, make that point. But her work was protested and was, um, I mean, found to be a very, offensive to a lot of people because they said that it was not her story to tell um and that and like that it just like that was way too personal right um and so tarantino making this like you see a dude from pasadena um you know coming in and telling this crazy slave revenge story I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I just don't but, know if people... But there's definitely a question as to why it's okay in one scenario and then why it's yeah, not in like, the other. why is it not... And does it have to do with popularity? Yeah, why is it not him exploiting um, 
black slavery to to make a four hundred million dollars on a movie. Like, why is it? Why is that not the thing? Like, um, I, I, once again, I'm not saying that that is. I don't want to judge it in that way, but I'm just surprised more people didn't come out and say, like, who the fuck are you to be telling this slave story and using the N word fifty seven hundred times in the movie and. And um, and I actually looked it up, and he he was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, so it's more it's more natural to him than we give credit for. <laughs> but uh, uh, I I don't know why I said I was that. raised yeah. in the N word. Uh, I don't know. Why I, said, I guess I think that's Paul Thomas Anderson who was born in Pasadena. But anyway, yeah, it is interesting that he got away with it and didn't get more um, criticism from people. Uh, saying that he was doing that are are complaining. Um, it was quite smooth. I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was some. But I, I mean, I know that there was stories. Yeah, like, for Spike, sure. like uh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee said he'd never seen this movie because it would be a, a disservice or um, a slap in the face for his ancestors if he did. Oh, he said it was um, okay. Well, basically, like profiteering. So no, there was a there was there was a bunch of backlash about this movie. Okay. It just um, yeah, I don't I don't think it was was as large as you would think it would be. Maybe. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But it is interesting once you also have guys like Samuel Jackson, you know, like in those roles, Jamie Foxx in those roles, prominent black actors. Um, participating and then you know yeah. defending the Jacksons. Will Smith from stories Smith I hear was the original yeah. choice for this, and he he well t- Smith turned it down. Mistake. Yeah, I'm happy about that. I am too. Yeah, I, I think, think Will would have been. It was awful. a mistake for Will Smith, but for this movie, yeah. I think Jim, I think Fox nailed. Yeah, he does. It. He I I would have and not. Liked Idris Elba was considered as well. Yeah, Idris Elba. He can do anything. He would he would have been good. I think yeah. he'd yeah. be. Yeah, and the um, I'm just done with the Smiths. I want like no Smiths uh, till time I die. Yeah. yeah, I'm through. Agreed. I'm through with all that. Um. Okay. Well, very all interesting stuff. The final question remains: two hours, forty-five minutes. Does it hold up? Can it possibly come together? At I'll this go length. first blast whenever you'd like. I want to go first this time because I've been dragging my heels in the past couple of weeks and this movie holds up. Um, while I might have some ideas on changes or whatever, I just can't help myself but love this start to finish. And even the parts that I don't like as much as other parts or even parts that might keep me at times from like at the length of this movie overall coming in in a way that's like... Uh, if I could watch any movie right now, I just don't know. That won't be one that I throw on uh, willy nilly. But man, oh man, you, you you wait a year, a year and a half, and then you just toss it on, and it's like fuck, <laughs> this movie is good. It does all kinds of things real well, and has some of my favorite scenes in any movie. Some of my favorite characters. Um, it's just it's it's good, man. It's good western, especially. You put this up there with any western ever made because uh, the angle it comes at it's real it hits you hard interesting interesting so yeah it holds up 100 percent telling you me me you yeah me, no, i me, mean it's me. hard to it's hard to to not say this holds up it's it's so good it's just like so fucking long i mean 45 minutes could have been cut out of this movie and it could have been like john said it could have been his other his other um uh pulp fiction 
like Pulp Fiction is a long mm-hmm. movie, but everything in Pulp Fiction is necessary and needed. And there's nothing I wouldn't cut a frame of Pulp Fiction. And this one, there's just so much I would cut. But but once again, it's there's even the stuff I would cut is so good. Like it's so the dialogue is so good. It's beautiful. Cinematography is good. The music is good. The acting is great. I mean, yeah. I mean, how how can this movie not hold up? It it totally holds up. I agree. I uh, loved this movie before. I love it now. It's it was the same the first time I watched it. It was too long, and the second ending really struck me as terrible. Like the, the whole Australian thing. Um, Never has sat well with me. It still really does not sit well with me. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge smudge on this movie, but this movie is so fucking great um, in so many places. Like, that's not something that can, that can ruin it. So, I'm fucking all about it, man. Jamie Foxx is awesome. Tarantino did a good job. Yeah, it's so it's. I so can't weigh on the uh, racial connotations while I can just talk where the movie goes, and I think that the movie is exciting. Uh, it's so good funny. that uh, for our three guys Oops. who who hate movies that are so long, <laughs> all of us agree. Still, that it holds up, even though that it's probably carrying forty-five minutes of weight on it, and it's still the three of us all think it holds up. So that's saying something. We didn't even That's talk about the, the quality of everything else. We didn't even no. mention him. Like he's, he's so it. slimy in this, with the teeth and yeah. everything else. And um, uh, when he goes insane in the dinner scene, smashes the glass, cuts his hand badly in real life, keeps on going, no, no yeah. stopping. He just gives it everything. It's he's he's a badass. I hate him For in this, sure. and that means he's amazing. So like. I've realized that now when I'm watching actors or whatever in movies and I fucking hate the character and I loathe with contempt for them and I want them to pay and suffer for everything they're doing on screen. I'm like, that person's a great actor. That's even if Yeah, right? I was like, I can't even stand to see that person in real life knowing that he's not who he is in the, in the show. Yeah. He is so effective. You know what I mean? That the hatred like, becomes almost like tangible. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's also and not so mustache twisting he either. It. He's a good he's a good bad guy. They initiate with him. You know you know him right They do away. him wrong. They do him wrong, right? They're they're the bad guys in that kind of scenario. He's evil slaver, so fine, but they're trying to work one over on him. So he it's interesting to watch his character from that regard, and you almost are like even when he finds out, he doesn't kill anybody, he just settles the deal in what the original deal is supposed to be forces them into it which is not the evilest thing that he could have done so yeah. so you can have some weird not compassion but you can see some of his end of things because he is born into it and doing all this stuff but he's also an evil motherfucker who's just like casual about this shit the the, the only thing the it's on- nice and complex it's thick the only only thing I noticed this time that I have a slight complaint about is the way that that Schultz behaves, because the way that Schultz behaves, for instance, with the sheriff, where are where he does with Don Johnson, he could have easily rode up to Don Johnson's house with Django and showed him the warrant for those guys' arrest, 
and said, I'm here to find these guys. I believe they're working on your plantation. A judge has signed this. I'm here to get these guys. And instead, he makes up this fantastical story. So why does he not just show up with his warrant? I mean, why is he always tricking I'll tell everybody? You why. He tricks the sheriff too. Why doesn't he just go to the marshal and say, tell me why. It is better to... He, does, he doesn't want anyone to take his ...forgiveness than permission. If he gets into the permission, they're going to be, oh, I don't know about that. Can we do that? We'll have to make some calls. Let's get him in here. We'll talk to him and see what's what. And Schultz is like, I just want my fucking seven grand. So I'm going to shoot this guy from the hilltop and then I'll deal with shit after because that's easiest. But with that's but, why he does but it that with way. the sheriff and with Don Johnson, he's putting himself at way more risk of by accidentally being shot by them in retaliation than if he would have just gone up and said, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. Because, like, he's always got his arms in the air waiting. And these guys are not the type of people you want to fuck with. They'll shoot him and Django, like, at the drop of a hat. It's not like they're decent people who, like, shoot shoot second, you know. Like, they shoot first and ask questions later. So he's putting himself in, like, terribly awkward situations that are threatening his life rather than just, like, saying, I'm here to get these guys, you know. <laughs> and I have a warrant. Yeah, but... but. <laughs> But he isn't, like, hired specifically for that job. There is a job that is put out there, like the John Wick, right? This is a price on this guy's head. And then every, all it brings, all that milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And then they bring their guns, and their guns, and their bombs, and their guns. And they shoot them in the head. That's why he can't go telling people, hey, I'm here to fucking do this, because that guy's like, hey, so-and-so. Uh, there's a fucking price on the sheriff's head. Mm -hmm. Go for it and cap him quick when we get that dollars, right? But if yeah. he, so, like, I don't think we can just share that information. He loses that job. Yeah, but if he goes to the marshal and says, Marshal, I'm here and I have this piece of paper. Can you bring your sheriff in? Because, because I have a warrant for him. There's no threat of anyone else finding out about that sheriff. It's He's there. Like, right now, he's got the warrant or he's got the paper. Like... There's no threat of that spreading around and someone beating him to to Don Johnson's plantation. Like, he's fucking there at the plantation. Right? And I can see. Well, there's I can there's see a chance that someone could. Like, yeah, what? Before, he's already there. Those no other, one's beating Maybe those him other there. lawmen. Mm -hmm. When he goes to the marshal, maybe the marshal has a chance at that reward, too. He likes too, the even drama. I think he likes... I mean, uh, my explanation of it is that, like someone said it earlier, he likes the dramatic... He likes the games. He likes doing it this way. That would be my only explanation. Well, I do think that's true. That's what I, I would I, it, take away It was from also it, worked for him for five years, and I can see cutting through the red tape as an approach to doing it that way. I bet, I bet he tried to talk it out a few times, and he's like, it just fucking ruins it, and half the time I don't even get the guy this way. I shoot him dead in the street, and I've not been shot yet. I don't know. People, there were there was a lawfulness around. It's not like... But but I, like uh, so in the town when he kills the sheriff that one worked out and that's fine. I thought he was way luckier at the ranch. That's what I'm saying. Like way at the luckier. ranch, he was yeah. like in so much danger of just being shot and buried in their field. Yeah, and Django yeah, I agree too. With like that. the fact that they could have shot Django. Like if like when he pulled out that piece of paper and he said, "And if you guys shoot me or do anything to me." you'll be in big trouble. They'll be like, okay, but well, we're going to shoot Django. Boom, he's fucking dead. Fuck you now. Get out of here. Do you know what I mean? Because Django killed those two white guys, and that's what infuriated them the most, is that a black man killed white people? 
they were like, what the fuck yep. is going on here? Yeah. So yep. once again, yeah. very dangerous. Very <laughs> actually, that's, that's actually interesting because he, in that moment, uh, puts both his and uh, King Schultz's life at risk because his anger takes over and he kills that guy before he should, yes, right? Yeah, totally. Um, the same way that at the end, King Schultz lets his um, anger get the better of him because he just needs to kill this guy because he's such a piece of shit. That's true. Um, <laughs> so I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. That's almost like when he turns around, you should just say, uh, you know, payback. <laughs> he could have said good That's luck good. to Django. He's like, Django, Broomhelda, good luck. And then, boom! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, great movie, though. Yeah. And Leo is, Leo is very good in this movie. Um, everyone is good. Samuel Jackson's a creepy little piece of shit fuckhead. Uh, yeah. Loyal to Candy, like they I, I love. It. I love when he goes running over. He's like Candy. That's like fucking awesome. Calvin, <laughs> Calvin, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and he gets kneecapped and blowed up. Uh, okay, well, good start to Cowboy Month. You ain't mad at the first movie. Maybe we're going to get mad at the second, but I don't think we will because it's the Cohen brothers and it's True Grit. With the dude and uh, Jerry Seinfeld's distant cousin, Haley Steinfeld. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Matt Damon. No, they're not related. Oh, and Matt Damon, too. Yeah, how can we forget about him? Yes. Jerry Seinfeld's in Trooper, right? No, no, no. That was a miss. It's the lady that's in it, Haley, Haley Steinfeld. Sounds similar to Jerry. All right, cool. I'm glad I re-explained my joke. Uh, and after we do True Grit, we'll do Quick and the Dead. That's where things get dicey no, and quickly is the diciest dice of all. Th- that has a cast in it that like it should not have in it. Like The fact that the, all those people like Leo again, movie. Young, young fucking Leo. Yeah. Yep. And a young, Way a before young, Django. A young, um, what's his name? The Aussie. Gladiator. Russell Crowe. Lo- a young Russell yeah, Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe. Yeah, Sharon Stone, Gene yeah. Hackman. Sharon and Stone. A... Continue. Another Leo, uh, yeah. I was just going to say Sharon Stone. People. This for her, I think, marked one of her last big ones because she was riding high from uh, a few of her other films coming into this, I believe, and this might have been the last big, big one for her. But, but there's a bunch of other people in the cast, too, that are not as big as these other people. But like Gene Hackman. Uh, no, but like the, the Lance the Hedrickson. People, Lance Hedrickson. There you go. And uh, the other uh, rabble rousers that are all like going for the um, prize to beat uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson's in it. Kevin Conway. Keith David is in it. Keith oh, David yeah. plays one of the gunslingers. Gary Sinise is in it. He plays the Marshall. Oh, that's right. He's her dad. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. It's insane. Like it's, it's got insane. a lit lineup. Absolutely like, lit. How the, much? You know, you'll know the bartender from former movies. You'll know the Jesus. I did not remember that there was that many it's people. Nuts. It's nuts, man. It's, it's so nuts. Crazy. And Sam Raimi directed. Quick. Sam Raimi. Fucking Sam Raimi, man. He pops in the weirdest little places. Yeah. Maybe it will hold up. I don't have high hopes, but maybe it will. uh, And maybe Quigley will. 
I don't expect that it will, but let's fucking give it a shot. All right. Well, True Grit next week. We look forward to that. We'll see you in that one, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And until we see you next time, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.